One of the most iconic features in the Prescott area is Thumb Butte. It's an outcropping of volcanic rock surrounded by basaltic flows. Two angles are the most well known. That from Union Street with the courthouse in the foreground, or just the downtown view with it in the distance rising 1,200 feet up from the courthouse square. As you spend more time in and around the Prescott National Forest, you realize there's additional aspects and more than one way to see it. Perhaps you are going to hike Trail 33 and you're looking up at the base at a 600 foot climb in 0.7 miles. Or you're coming back from vacation, seeing it to the south from Granite Mountain. Or above, and you see this thing isn't quite as solid as it really looks. Or my favorite, framed from the neighbor's treehouse. I grew up close to Thumb Butte and currently live under its shadow just a mile away. I spend a lot of time looking at the monument and I've discovered that it never gets old. Depending upon the time, the season, the lighting, there's always something new to discover there. And in the same way, as we reflect upon the cross of Christ, that we celebrate Easter year after year, Good Friday year after year, and communion even every Sunday, there's always more to discover. And so for this year, I want to take you to explore a couple different angles of the Butte and of the cross as we reflect upon the sacrifice of Jesus found throughout the book of Galatians. Good Friday resets our gaze upon the cross of Christ. This Easter season, my reflection on the cross and resurrection has been colored by the book of Galatians since we're doing a deep dive in it in the weeks to come. You see, the book of Galatians, it talks about the cross, um, but not necessarily through the same angle as Romans or Ephesians. It, it doesn't plumb the depths like Colossians chapter number two, but what we're going to do is kind of thread through the book and see how Paul talks about the cross. He begins with the most basic and fundamental well-known truth of the cross, and that is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. In Galatians 1, 3 through 5, he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of God our Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. He says Jesus died. Why? It's for our sins. He, he died on the cross to forgive us of our sins and to deliver us from the present evil age. And, and that act, he says in verse 3 through 5, wasn't willy-nilly. God wasn't calling an audible in response, but it was part of God's plan from the beginning of time, showing us that ultimately we in humanity itself could not rescue ourselves. We couldn't deliver ourselves. We needed help from outside of ourselves. Fleming Rutledge says, from beginning to end, the Holy Scriptures testify that the predicament of fallen humanity is so serious, so grave, so irremediable from within that nothing short of divine intervention could rectify it. After Paul's introduction, it takes him a little bit to come back to the cross. He spends the next two chapters discussing his travels and issues within the church, but as he inevitably does, he always comes back to the cross. And in Galatians 2.20, one of the best known verses within the entirety of the book, he says this, 
I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died in vain or for no purpose. You see, the cross for Paul and for believers is not a one-and-done kind of event. Believe it and move along with your life and you get, you know, kind of the free hall pass once you get to the pearly gates. No, he's saying the cross shapes the entirety of our lives, our thinking, our words, everything about us. Historically, that term has been living a cruciform kind of life. By faith, there is a no, a continual no to self and a yes towards Jesus and a love out into the world. John Stott in his book on the cross says, self-denial is not denying to ourselves luxuries such as chocolates, cakes, cigarettes, and cocktails, although it might include this. It's actually denying or disowning ourselves, renouncing our supposed right to go our own way. You see, cruciform living isn't something like asking a kid to do a chore that he or she doesn't want to do. A task maybe that you need to tackle at work that you've been putting off forever. It, but it's this, this happy yes that flows from Christ's death. Not something that we do out of spite or guilt, but our lives are formed by this deep covenantal and abiding love that Jesus has given towards us and freed us then to give towards others. That then forms and shapes our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. Paul places this public act of the crucifixion before them again and again to remind them of who they are and how they are to live in the world. In chapter 3 verse 1 he says, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. I think Eugene Peterson helps us out in his uh, message transliteration of the Bible. He says, you crazy Galatians, did someone put a spell on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened for it's obvious that you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly enough. See, there, small, but it's there. So in 3.1, Paul shares that the cross was a public act. And for the Galatian church and for us today, that public act is meant to be in the forefront of our hearts and our minds. And in keeping the cross in the forefront of our hearts and minds, it's meant to keep our lives on the rails. Being reconciled with God through this sacrificial act keeps us in alignment with his heart. I'm sure you as I can trace any time in our life where there's sin and shame and, and our lives out of alignment with the heart of God, we can trace that back to a failure to keep the cross at the forefront of our minds, of our hearts, of our thoughts, of our words. And when that happens, our lives get wonky. And so there's good news in keeping the cross, that public act in the forefront of our lives, it keeps us on the rails. The problem is that's, that's difficult, that's hard to do. 
But the good news in that is that there's empowerment, there's help for us. As we continue to trace this thread in chapter 3, verse 13 through 14, Paul says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. It is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. It's these verses that remind me of the hymn, It Is Well, where uh, Horatius Bonner says, My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole, was nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. You see, through the cross, we remember there's an exchange, and it's not a fair exchange. Christ takes our sin and the curse due to us and gives us the blessing of Abraham. He wraps us into this covenantal family. But it's kind of like the infomercial, but wait, there's more. There's also an empowering. The very person of God present in the Holy Spirit is gifted to us to enable us and empower us for life. You see, the cross is the gateway to life in Christ in the midst of the world. And so how does that work? Well, again, the difficulty is there's a battle on the outside and a battle on the inside, which Paul goes into in chapter number five. In chapter 5, we see Paul uh, sharing some of his sufferings and persecutions because of what he's been proclaiming. In chapter 5, verse 11, he says, But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. You see, the cross carries an offense towards those outside the faith. It is offensive to say you can't save yourself. You cannot do enough good deeds on your own. But the cross brings good news and that there is an avenue towards salvation. And that's what Paul is proclaiming. He's not out there preaching religion or self-help or just do better, but he's proclaiming that in the cross and only in the cross is salvation found. And so because of that, he faced a battle from the outside. And we can expect the same. By proclaiming Jesus is the only true Savior and Lord, there is an offense that is carried in the world. And it's not just a battle outside that we face, but we also, as we've discussed, face a battle within. But the good news is that we can place the cross in the midst of that battle on the inside. In chapter 5, verse 24, after discussing the difference between the fruits of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, he says that those who are in Christ Jesus, who belong to Christ Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You see, because of Jesus, we have this icon in the midst of our lives that can empower and fuel the battle for holiness. And again, as we see in Jesus, we have this hope and this freedom and really something that we can boast in. This is how Paul closes out the book of Galatians. He says, but far be it from me to boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but new creation. And all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy upon them and upon the Israel 
of God. There's so much more that can and will be said as we go through this book, but I hope this Good Friday you see a bit of the thread of the cross of Christ and its impact on your life today. As Paul says, we have something to boast and hope and rejoice in. As we reflect on the brutality and and indecency that Jesus endured on our behalf, there is a, a boast and a hope and a peace that bubbles up because we know Good Friday isn't the end of this story. But in seeing the cross, we see the victory that Jesus imparts to us. The exchange that's very unfair that he makes in being willing to take upon himself the curse and exchange to us righteousness. And ultimately it's that that brings about a hope in the life of the believer. And so I pray that this blesses you as you reflect on Jesus, maybe take communion with your community. And I look forward to seeing you on Sunday morning as we celebrate the resurrection.